We've all seen the articles saying this is what the average couple spends on their wedding. We've seen statistics from big websites that tell us this is what couples are spending on planning, on flowers, but are they actually true? Are they accurate? I was wondering the same question because I've been seeing some big changes in our local market and surrounding markets, as well as seeing a lot of different style of weddings, different sizes, and it left me thinking. Are these statistics that everybody is providing to us, especially those who are selling us marketing platforms, are those statistics true? So I reached out to Shane McMurray from The Wedding Report to tell me a little bit more about what he sees in our wedding industry, what he's seeing couples spend, and the best of all is he's actually getting real couples participating in surveys and studies to provide us pros with true and accurate information about the wedding industry and our local markets. I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore because this is actually a very, very good episode. I can't wait for you guys to give it a listen. And as always, if you guys like it, please go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a positive review. All right, guys, let's get started. everybody and welcome to the planner and training podcast. I am super excited today because we're going to be talking about numbers, but not necessarily the numbers that I'm always talking about. We're going to be talking about the numbers within the wedding industry. And to help me with that is the one, the only Shane McMurray. Shane, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. So I am Pretty sure people know about you and have heard you in other podcasts, but I really want our listeners to know about the industry and what you do for the industry. So why don't you tell everybody what you do and how long you've been doing it? Go right ahead. All right. Uh, yeah. So um, what we do is basically we collect information about the industry uh, from an economics perspective. So like how much people spend, what is the demand for a product and service? And then we collect uh, the total demand, which is number of weddings uh, and uh, for the entire U.S. I've been doing it since basically 04 and uh, started there as a little side project and it turned into this uh, massive research project that uh, ended up becoming its own little company in 07 and so uh, basically incorporated in 07 and been running it as a corporate business since then. Um, so in that time I've probably collected almost 600,000 different survey samples from uh, all kinds of different people that uh, are getting married, and then all kinds of uh, different people that actually work in the space. Uh, most of our customers, um, uh, so I'll just, uh, half of our customers are people that don't even work in the wedding space. They are researchers, they are investment companies, universities, local government agencies, federal government agencies, um, all kinds of different people, and then have the other half are the folks that work actually work in the space, so. Wow, and how did you get into reporting 
Uh, yeah. So um, in in early like oh one time frame two thousand one, my wife and I started a paper company, and um, we actually were building or making paper from scratch. We started, uh, you know, basically I came up with the process for making the pulp and uh, drying it, and a, uh, have framed to build the paper, etc. Uh, and then I needed some data. I really wanted to understand um, how much people were spending on imitations. We kind of somehow meandered our way into the wedding space. And I really wanted to understand the market. You know, as a business, you got to know what what's happening in your market, how much people are spending and so forth. And, and when I went out and did my research in 03 timeframe, there was really nothing out there. So um I just didn't, you know, I didn't understand that from a business perspective. I'm like, there's got to be some data. So I ended up just starting, started working my way through it. Okay, well, what do I need? You know, how many weddings, how many weddings are there? Where are people getting married? How much do they spend? Well, they don't buy everything. So I need to understand the demand, right? So I just started doing my own, uh, own data collection, working with other people in the industry and the space and just trying to figure out the best way to collect data. Um, that's how I got started in it. And then um, about in 04, we had some family stuff go on. And so basically the paper business went by the side and I took, uh, I figured if we needed this research, other people might need it. So I uh, took it and said, hey, I'm just gonna post it online as research. And, and then I ended up just, I mean, the first month I, I think was June 05, I posted it up. Uh, I sold a hundred reports that first month and I, and I said, wow, I think there's a business here. Yeah. And so um, I just started going in that direction. So, okay, well, this is the business. Um, and then I've, I've been literally focused on research uh, the entire time. Uh, it's, I've tried to do a couple of different little things, you know, just kind of trying to find your way as a business, but I've always come back to just focus on the research part. So, Wow. And, oh, it's just crazy because people who own wedding businesses can use this research for many different topics and many different things. Do you do you hear back from those people who buy this report from you and what what is the main reason that they buy it for? Yeah, a lot of times uh, people that work in the space use it for a couple of different things. Um, I have people that will use it just to kind of get a handle on what's happening in their market. Um, and be able to kind of set pricing and then kind of be able to see how many weddings are in their space uh, so that they can kind of plan and go forth for the year. Uh, I have pe- a lot of people that are in the space starting up a new business and they're trying to put, in, put together a plan so they can submit it to get funding and that sort of thing. And so they use it to kind of uh, predict demand and where they think, you know, where their little niche is within the space. Um, and just just a little bit of a, Heads up, if you do use this data or any data, actually, and you go to the SBA, Small Business Administration, and a lot of finance companies, they will come back to us and use our data to basically verify that what you're saying makes sense because we are we're pretty much the source of truth for, for most of those folks. And um, I've had people call me and say, hey, I, took, I presented my plan to the SBA and they came back and they said, well, we don't agree with what your numbers say because this, this and this. And then they they referenced me. And so then that, that person called me and was freaking out and go, you know, I, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what, what are they talking about? And so, I, you know, kind of went through it and helped them and explained it. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're just that's uh, that's what uh, that's how people are using it in the space. And then people that don't work in the space directly are using it to um 
particularly for universities and researchers, they're trying to understand the marriage space and wedding space. Uh, universities are using it for their students who basically are trying to write business plans for different things. Um, investment companies are looking at it to basically make investments in specific areas, particularly like dress, jewelry, and, and venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even have had uh, insurance, insurance agencies or companies will use it to help uh, basically sell products um, so that they can say, you know, uh, they're getting, you know, you're getting married, right? Well, you need to save money and blah, blah, blah. And this, so that's kind of how that works, but there's lots of different use cases. Yeah. That's so interesting. <clears throat> you, you kind of caught my attention when you mentioned the SBA. I've never mm-hmm. even thought about that, that you could use this data to show what the business could be. Yep. You know, doing- exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there, you know, Anytime you go to get funding, right, they're going to call your bluff. I mean, you can come yep. up with the best story in the world, but they're going to look, sit down and get realistic with you about the market. So what does the market really look like? Well, how many other competitors are in this space? And um, what is your plan to be different, right? Because um, there there are a lot of competitors, so they want to understand. They're giving you money, right? It, yep. it, you, need, you need to be realistic about your, your expectations. So Shane, one of the things that we were talking about was the competitive advantage and building that using the report. Can we get into into that a little bit? Sure, sure. Um, so I, I think, you know, even though um, I think I can give a little bit of insight, like my, my data will help you with a little bit of your competitive advantage, but you need to look at other data as well and other sources. Uh, and I'll give you some examples. So there's, I think there's really three components in building uh, a competitive advantage. First off, you need to understand your market. Uh, that's where we can mostly help you with understanding the market. Uh, how many weddings take place? How much do people spend on average? What are the ranges of spending? Uh, what are the demographics of people getting married? Um, those sorts of things, right? Um, then you need to understand your competitors. Who are your competitors? And, and it's not just understanding who is working in the same field, but you need to understand also what I believe are uh, what, what I would call al- alternatives. And alternatives are things that people can do besides what you do, but are but fulfill the same need. Mm-hmm. A great example of that might be um, if if you are a wedding venue, but you're like more of a um, you know you're more of a rustic space. Um, well. You know, people get married in lots of different places, banquet halls, country clubs, resorts, parks, historic buildings, etc. Well, all of those are alternatives to a rustic space or a barn, let's say. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you need to understand that just because people are getting married and they need a venue, they have alternatives and people are doing so many different things. So that's an alternative. And even though it may not be a direct competitor because you think, well, um, I'm a barn or a rustic space and, um, you know, my target market is only that those type of people. Well, you really, anybody in, that's getting married that you could be a target. They could be, um, they could be your customer, right? But you need to understand what the alternatives are and how you compete with them. So, um, understanding your market and understanding your competitors are probably the two biggest things you, you need to do to build a competitive advantage when it comes to understanding your market. Um, not just understanding uh, like how many weddings and how much people are spending, but you also need to look at things like what's happening in my economy. Um, you can go to like um, 
chamber of commerce and local tourism um, things. There's also probably universities in, in, in a lot of the major markets that also do economic research. And you need to basically understand what type of stuff is coming in into your into your city, how many people are moving into your city. All of those things play out into whether or not you're going to grow or, or not. I'll give you a really good example. So Austin, Texas is a really high growth area for the fact that there's a lot of tech companies moving into that space. South by Southwest has been really popular lately. Uh, I mean, over the past five to seven years, um, there's lots of stuff happening in, in Austin, Texas. So people are moving there. The, the area is growing. Um, a lot of high dollar people are moving there, people that make good money, especially in the tech space. So that, those are important things to understand about your local economy is the fact that, oh, man, there's more people moving here. They're making more money. What can I do? Right. How can I tap into that market? Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas City, I went there and spoke um, last year and I was looking at some of the, the data for their market, not just from a wedding perspective, but economics and um a lot of the tech industry stuff is kind of moving out of the, the Kansas City market. Now, will it have a big impact? It might not have a, hu- a super huge impact, right? But you need to understand the fact that, okay, these jobs are moving out of this market, right? That market could be shrinking uh, because maybe people don't want to move there. Those are all dynamics, uh, particularly places in the Midwest where um, – manufacturing companies are either shutting down or moving out or moving away, those those impact those markets tremendously. So it's important to understand what's happening in your market and, and space. Where are people traveling from? You know, mm-hmm. if you you know, if you go to your local tourism board, figure out where people are traveling from. Uh, and then and then that way you can go, okay, well if a lot of people are coming from this one area of the country, then let me target my marketing to that space, right? What are the demographics of those people? Um, those are real those are also things you need to understand. And then as you start to work through those things, understand that you can find nuggets of information about the market that you can then go, okay, let me apply this. Um, a good another good example would be uh, the 50 plus market. Um, a lot of people probably don't even know this or don't even think about it, but there are a lot of there are a lot of marriages that are happening in the 50 plus market. Well, the interesting thing about that side of the market is is they actually spend more money they, on their wedding, and their um, and I think in the Kansas City market it was like 28 percent more. Wow! And so yeah, right. So no one and and if you go and look at all the competitors in the market, nobody is targeting that specific segment of the market. So just understanding the fact that there is a there is a, a market in the 50 plus range and that they spend in a different pattern um, and nobody is marketing to that space. That's another reason to go look at your competitors. What are they doing? Who are they marketing to? What is their messaging and branding around? Right. Is it only millennials or is it 50 plus or is it something else? And then by taking those two pieces or two components together, now all of a sudden you have a, a little bit of a nugget or an opportunity that you can then build a competitive advantage around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One thing that you mentioned was uh, competitors before. You mentioned like wedding venues that are rustic that, you know, it's not they're not only competing against rustic wedding venues, but they're also competing, competing about against other wedding venues. Yep. And that made me think about how wedding planners were not just competing against other wedding planners, but we're also competing about venues who say they have wedding planners on site. That's right. That's and DJs exactly right. who say they do day of coordination. Yes. 
And yes. when you said that, it just kind of wrangled all those thoughts into one. And I was like, oh, that's right. Yes. So a lot of uh, a lot of businesses today that work in this space offer multiple services. Yes. Uh, I've interviewed a few people over the past few weeks that uh, offer multiple services and they've continued to kind of grow or change their service offering to offer multiple things. Um, so, yes, you we have, are one of them. We have multiple services with it in house. Yeah, but you weren't that at first, were you? No, no, we we're just planning. And then the rentals happened. And then with rentals came flowers. You mm -hmm. know, now we have linens. So mm -hmm. it, it's it evolved. Yeah. So now anybody that's a planner in your area also has to compete with you, you know, uh, you know, know that you're a competitor. You're an alternative, right? Mm -hmm. Rentals know that you're now an alternative for their rentals. Uh, for flowers, you're also an alternative for flowers, right? And so that that's a great point. And and it happens all the time. Videographers, right? Uh, yeah. Well, photographers are offering videos just part of their package now, right? Yeah. Or part of the deal. So now they're a competitor or, or an alternative for just someone who just focuses on video. So it's happening everywhere. <laughs> what kind of information does a report like? What are what are three of the biggest pieces that you think the report provides that is useful. Uh, to me, I think the most important things are this number of weddings and demand and spending on average for the thing that you sell. Because like I mentioned earlier, not everybody buys everything. So even though there's, let's say a thousand weddings in a market, only so many percentage of those people actually hire a DJ, right? Yeah. So you need to understand that, okay, even though there's a thousand weddings in this market, how many people hire a DJ might only be 500 weddings that hire a DJ. And that's, and, and they could be more or less, right? Depending on how you, well you do, but you need to understand, okay, that's my starting point. There's roughly 500 people that hire a, a, a DJ and this is roughly what they spend on average for everything. And then the second thing I would say would be what we call spending distribution. And it basically breaks down the spending patterns and buckets. There's six different buckets for each uh, spending on, uh, for each item and in those buckets we show the ranges we collect the data and ranges i learned a long time ago that um not to collect the actual number there's three reasons for that one people highball or or lowball or um don't even remember and just put mm -hmm. something so if you collect it in ranges uh it actually helps a couple of things it prevents them from lowballing and highballing and then it also basically get you know people can remember generally about how much they spent on something so we we collect it that way and then the reason uh, then we take that and be able to provide that as a part of the report uh what we would call spending distribution so it basically shows us the percentage of weddings that spend within these ranges so if you're spending if you say oh well I'm a, I'm I'm in the higher category range uh, and you're in a market that's a little bit lower number of weddings uh, and you want to grow your higher category, is there a market for you, right? Because if if in that market there's a thousand weddings and only 25, uh, uh, you know, 50, maybe 50 weddings spend more than $5,000 on what it is you sell, then you might have a problem growing that segment of your business. So then what you can do is look at that and go, okay, well, what can I offer besides that? I'll give you a great example of, of how this works. Vera Wang, everybody knows who she is in the wedding space. Of course. She builds and makes luxury dresses, right? Well, 
I don't know if you remember, maybe about 10 years ago, she actually endeavored into the lower end of the market by selling dresses at David's Bridal, right? Mm -hmm. Dresses that were in the $1,200 to $1,500 range. Well, the reason that she did that is because you can only grow a luxury category so much because there's only so much growth there. Mm -hmm. Well, in other words, she realized, look, there's this other whole segment of the market that I'm that I'm not even able to reach. Could we grow our business if we reach that market by offering a product in that range? Well, as a smart business, you go, look, here's what the market looks like. This is the where spending distribution comes in. What can we offer in this range to help grow our business? Maybe even if it's two or three percent of growth, right? What could we offer? And so that's where spending distribution helps you kind of understand the ranges within your market. And then you as a business need to think about what it can I offer? Again, building a competitive advantage, right? What can I offer in the lower side of the market where I can streamline and make it easy, right? Um, in, in the planning space, it could just be coordination, wedding coordination. I just offer a six-week coordination from, you know, from six mm-hmm. weeks out back into the day, right? Versus full full service planning. Right. I can charge $1,500 for that. I don't need to put a lot of time into it. I've got it streamlined and boom, you're done, right? That's it. You, you make good profit on that. And then the same, and then with your full service planning, you still offer that, but those are for your clientele that are more willing to, to spend that kind of money for it. So it's really about understanding that that's where you help. And then the third thing, I think would be the demographic side of it. Understanding the demographics of your market is, is essential. Um, I'll even add a third, a fourth thing in there. Um, and that's the geography. So let's go back to demographics. So demographics, really understanding, you know, the income levels of your community, understanding the age brackets of your community, understanding the education, um, types of work and the race or you know, culture perspective of your market from a demographics perspective is huge because then you can realize, okay, well, let's say you live in, an, in a market where there's a really high Asian culture population, right? Well, their culture around marriage and other things is quite different. So maybe you have a package that focuses on that market, that side of the market that you can offer, right? Same thing with the 50 plus I mentioned earlier. Well, 50 plus has a very, you know, they, they like to do things differently. So mm-hmm. why not have something that you can focus on that? They also get their marketing. They receive marketing differently. Exactly, right? They like to read maybe a, a magazine or a newspaper or some other thing, right? Or watch TV, right? That's yeah. how you read. Yeah, versus it, social. Yeah, it's incredible how thoughtful you have to be and how strategic you have to be in business. And I think sometimes we forget that there is strategy before behind everything we're supposed to be doing. Um, It's not just throwing spaghetti at the wall, like they say. Since you were talking about um, budgeting, I know one of the items that we mentioned prior to um, recording was budgets. And that even though out there we're hearing that people are spending more and more on weddings, you think the spending is actually flat and not Mm -hmm. growing. And I want you to dig into that and tell me a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, So... You know, I've been tracking this for a long time. Um, I collect it the way that we, you know, we collect individual items and then we roll that up based on demand. You can read about the methodology, but basically we don't just ask someone, hey, what's the total amount you spent on your wedding? Um, and then um, that's the number we go by. We actually use the individual items that we collect data on and then we roll those up to get to the, the total average spending. Um, 
it's a little complicated, but I explained it on the site. But ne but nevertheless, so what I see is basically the spending is either flat. It's basically flat. There's a little bit of a push down, a little bit of push up, so on. Uh, and the reason that I think that it's flat is um, there's a couple of so there's a couple of little growth areas, and I'll I can talk about those. But in general, basically, demand for most services is slightly down and spending for services is, is there's a, a lot of pressure on spending or cost around services. Um, when you have a lot of competitors in a space, then it puts a lot of pressure on the pricing part. And so pricing actually gets pushed down when you have a lot of competitors. Um, so one of the things that um, I think is also Playing into that is like what I call lifestyle creep. And what I mean by that is the amount of money that people have to, to use to live today is actually more than it was previously. And it's and, and while I'd say food has been pretty flat, uh, things like rent, utilities are all going up. And they've been going up this whole time. It's not like they're, they have gone down. I don't know if you've looked at rents lately, but it, they're crazy. Yes. Um, uh, and so... You add on to that healthcare costs, savings for retirement, and other pressures of life, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if you think about how people are spending money today, there's a subscription for everything, right? There are basically, there's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's Spotify, there's Apple, there's, you know, and then now Starbucks coffee is $6 a cup. <laughs> so, right, you know, all of those things are putting pressure on how much people money, how much money people have to spend at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. and. So um, I also kind of dug into this a little bit more about around, um, you know, just how do people spend, what money are they using to, to get married, to spend, to get married, and then how much of it are they paying to get married? I really want to understand couples and, and their spending patterns exactly. Um, so one of the things I asked was, uh, I asked on all the individual items, you know, how much did you contribute to this particular item, right? Was it 100%, you know, and so on. And what I found out was is that probably 70% of people, couples getting married, pay for 100% of the, of the things. Um, the big things I noticed, you know, like the venue and certain other things, uh, the parents or whatever will help contribute. But, but in general the couple's paying for about 70% of everything. Um, there is a small percentage of couples, and I would say it's probably in the 20% range, uh, where they're not paying for much of anything, and it seems like the parents might be paying for a lot. That's kind of a really small uh -huh. uh, niche of the market, but um, the reality is is that couples are paying for most of everything. And so if you, take, if you think about that for a second, then you go, okay, well, how are they paying for it, right? Is it savings? Are they taking out loans? What are they doing? So I asked that question and then you get back answers like, well, so most of them are using cash on hand. So that means disposable income. I'd say probably 60% of them are use cash on hand. Um, about less than 20% use credit. And then the rest is coming from savings and um, other means, second job, things like that. And so, um, if you take that into effect and then you start looking at what disposable income people have, right, mm -hmm. then the picture becomes pretty clear. The less disposable income or savings people have, the less likely they're going to spend on these things. 
And then when you start interviewing and talking to the couples about what it is important to them and what are they doing and right, you realize pretty quickly that, oh, well, these couple of things are important, but everything else we're just not going to worry about or, we're, you know, guest counts are down. All these things are factoring into it. So that's what I think is putting pressure on the spending aspect of it, um, not to mention student loan debt, uh, not to mention like. I don't know if you know, but auto loans are probably the highest they've ever been in history. Yeah. And, and um, the amount that people pay for an auto loan has increased significantly over the years. And also, unfortunately, um, defaults on auto loans are on the increase as well. So um, those are playing into how much people spend. And those are all things that we should be aware of, right? We should those be. All- we should really know who our client is, especially with so many people saying, okay, you need to make your client avatar and who are they? What do they wear? These are all information that, that we should be getting from actual, uh, I guess your scientists because it's, it's data, but not, not just, you know, like what we envision in our head because what you say and what I think and believe there's only so many people that have a luxury market because I mean, we're talking about, you know, 1%. So if we add a, I don't know what that percentage is for luxury weddings and what those people are in, how they are in the, I guess, I guess the rest of the population, but there is only so much you can do with a luxury market. And it's just so important to know what is going on in your market yourself. Does a report show you things for, for example by state if you're in the united states yeah so we only collect data i mean i collect data from couples that get married all over the world because mm-hmm. uh, they all of them use, i mean i have a lot of people from all over the world that use the tool um but um we just report on the u.s so yeah we have it broken down by state uh the basically the gr and the geographies uh of what we offer are u.s total state County, metropolitan area, and zip code. Um, zip code level data. We only do it for one year because zip codes change so much. Um, the only stand, the only static, or I guess it's static geographies would be your states. Uh, you know, U.S. your states and your counties, mm-hmm. and then the metropolitan areas typically make up counties. Okay. Uh, so those those change. Uh, when I say a metropolitan area, I'm basically using a term that. Um, that the Census Bureau uses, they call it a CBSA or core-based statistical area. That's basically a, um, um, a metropolitan population area that they that they use. And the reason they do it like that is because that's how they do their funding mechanism. Well, the federal government uses um, those types of um, boundaries basically for funding and uh population assessments and a bunch of other stuff but that's that's kind of how we uh, do the metros Mm -hmm. other than seeing that spending is truly flat right it's not really growing what other changes or non-changes have you seen in the wedding industry in the past few years um I would say there's the couple of things that I've seen is that there's a lot of pressure on services service. The service side of the business has become so easy to um, the barrier to entry is really low. Right. So for for a planner or particularly for planners and for photography and for DJ and for the anything in the service space, the barrier to entry has become really low, which means that there are 
a lot of competitors that can quickly move into that space. Um, you know, I don't know if, how, how much people know about barriers to entry, but if the barrier to entry is really high, for example, a high dollar venue or something like that, right, or a design dressmaker, then um, then it's really more, it's more difficult to get more competitors in that piece of the market. So it takes a lot longer, right, for that market to become saturated and and then therefore um, you know pricing stays pretty stable. But as you get an influx of competitors when the barrier to entry is really low, pricing becomes very unstable and usually starts to collapse on itself because people are competing on price. Mm-hmm. Consumers are competing on price today because that's all they, I mean, that's all they hear about. It's nonstop discount this and uh, 40% off here and group on this. And th- I mean, it's just like you're bombarded with discounts daily. Right. And so our mindset is like, oh, oh, hey, I'm not going to buy that unless there's a discount, right? So the pricing mindset is we just have brought upon ourselves from marketing. But so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really it. I mean, the more the, the, so on the service side, I've seen that really have a problem on the other side, like for venues where I said the barrier to entry is high uh, in the past three to five years, I've seen a really high influx of venues, new venues. And I, and what's happening is people are Current businesses are taking their existing space and converting that into um, into venue space, right? They're taking this whatever it was they have, and they oh let's make this into a venue space. Uh, mm-hmm. I was talking to a guy the other day, and um, he said that there are in their area uh, private schools are converting their spaces into venue <laughs> spaces, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, crazy. Yeah. How many bars brought come up in your your area of the woods, right? I mean, yeah. It's just insane. The other the other thing I would say um, is food and catering items have been quite different, right? So uh, there's so many people now that can be caterers. Um, Chick-fil-A. I mean, you could probably cater your wedding from Burger King if you really wanted to. Just have someone go pick up, you know, 500 burgers or something. But people want something different, right? Mm-hmm. If that's what they want, then that's what they're doing. So there's so many other, there's so many options. It's very, very, people wonder about, oh, well, you know, yeah, there's, there is a luxury part of the market. It's about 1%. I would say it's over hundred K, but other than that, it's everything else is a free for all and uh, it's very competitive. And there's a lot of people that don't spend a lot of money on getting married, but there are opportunities there. Mm -hmm. There are lots of opportunities there. Um, You know, Walmart isn't the biggest, one of the biggest retailers, outside of Amazon, but as a, as a, you know, brick and mortar business, Walmart is not the biggest, you know, because they don't, just because they sell low end cost prices, right? They've built a supply chain and a process around delivering a product, a lower end cost product to millions of people. And that's how they make a lot of profit. They make a lot of profit, right? Yeah. So there's opportunity in the lower side of the space. There's, there's lots of opportunity. You just need to figure out your economies of scale and you need to figure out how to, what are the opportunities that you can grow your business on. Incredible. I, I think, like I said before, I, don't, I think a lot of us don't even think about what is going on with market and how every other business operates. And yeah, it, it's just so important to be aware and knowledgeable. Just another thing to add to our list. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's, and I know it's hard because you're, you know, as a as a small business, and particularly small businesses, you're already wearing the hat of building the product, 
then now you've got a marketing at sales, right? And now you've got to sell the thing and now you've got to do your contracts and your books and your this and mm -hmm. your that. And now you've got to think about this. I will tell you that what I'm talking about is a lot of work. It's not easy. But I'm, but the ones that actually spend the time doing mm -hmm. it are the ones that are going to succeed. I, ag um, I agree with you. I, I really do. I mean, I like to pay attention what's going on in my market and what, not what everybody else is doing, but I just keep my eyes open here and there. Mm -hmm. And I agree without reading your report. I agree with everything that you're saying. A hundred percent. I don't think spending has on gone up for weddings. I am seeing saturation. I'm seeing the price, you know, going up and down on, on what people are expecting. And yep. just like that, also, I'm seeing certain prices of venues go, they're skyrocketing. And hearing the feedback is not that great from yeah. from consumers. So I think, I, I do agree. I think there's either going to be a change or the client is going to make the change for us. But yeah. I completely agree with the what, what you're talking about. So the, there's a couple of additional things I'll add in. Um, uh, one, the market's always going to determine which direction you're going. So um, there's no question that the market will tell you. And you will either adapt as a business or you will collapse as a business. So that's always going to happen. The mm -hmm. second thing for... For like for for com your competitors, I don't think you need to watch your competitors and like in general, like. But you need to be aware of a couple of things. One, you need to be aware of the alternatives that exist in your market space, right? We talked about mm -hmm. those, but you need to be aware of those because those put pressure on you. You may not realize it. What you just said, right? You also offer flower. You do event planning, yeah. right? But you offer flowers. You offer uh, rentals now. Yeah. Well, that puts pressure on the other rental companies and that puts pressure on the other flower companies. And they may not even know that, but they, you need to be aware of that as a business. The second thing is, is I think you need to uh, go out and read and understand what your competitors offer, not so that you can you know, like be like them, but really to understand what's missing from the market. Like I mentioned earlier with the 50 plus market, like if you find an opportunity in the market space to go, Hey, I think there's an opportunity here for me as a business, right? Then go look at what your competitors, their messaging. What are they talking about? Is anyone talking about that segment of the market? No, great. Then that's a perfect opportunity for you as a business to start messaging around that. And then the other part of that would be, Go read reviews that aren't on the not wedding wire. Um, if you can find them, Yelp is a great place. Google is a great, great place. Anywhere else besides the not and wedding wire, because you'll really see actually what customers think about the business, right? You'll see what people are talking about. Go talk, go listen to the brides talking in the forums and stuff like that. Figure out what they're talking about. Those are the opportunities to make something better. If you see them always complaining about a certain thing, that's an opportunity for you to go, oh, no one's really doing, you know, no one's really solving this problem. Let me go solve that problem for them. Um, and then the, the, the other thing that I didn't mention earlier was the third component of this is your internal business. Um, a lot of people don't do this, but you really need to track the amount of hours that you spend on a project. You need to associate costs with those hours. 
so that you can understand how much effort it takes to produce what it is you produce. A lot of people don't do this. This is really d difficult to do, but you need to understand that because the only way you're going to build economies of scale into what you offer and reach down into the lower markets or whatever is by streamlining those processes to make it more efficient. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know it takes you 60 hours to produce something, right, then then you don't, you know, you, you'll spend 100 hours. But yeah. if you know it takes you 60 hours, then you can go, okay, it takes me 60 hours to produce this thing. How can I make it 50 hours? How can I make it 40 hours, right? And so on and so on. And as you streamline that, then you can start building economies of scaling. Okay, now you can do two of those because you just reduced one thing that usually takes you 60 hours to 40. Now you can add another one. It's, uh, I'm, I'm just consuming all the information that you're giving me because it's, um, it's definitely something that we all need to pay attention in our business. I mean, that's, that's just where it, where it ends, where it starts and it ends. We need to pay attention to all the ins and outs and how are we going to do that without all the information? Yeah. I, I know it's like, you know, um, a deer in headlights, right? You're like, mm -hmm. Oh my God, I gotta do all this too. On top. Um, and it's not like I'm not doing it. Cause like I said, I, I pay attention and I, I don't, I don't really dig into competitors that much. And I'll be honest about it. Um, like, just because I like being ourselves. And as a person who is a creative, I'm also inspired a lot easier if I'm mm -hmm. following other people. And so for me in the business sense, I tend to just do what we do best and add as I need, as I see our, our little, our little, um, market change and new businesses come in I, and I see where the opportunities are. But again, I don't have a report behind me supporting that. I'm just going off by what I see. So I feel like that report would just level us up completely. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and don't forget about your local data too, right? So yeah. make sure you're looking at your local market. What's, you know, um, I don't know, like uh, some of the city business uh, licensing places in the city also publish uh, new businesses and you can either buy it some cities offer it for free but you can also i mean that's one way to keep track of what's new coming into your market because you also want to understand what's new coming into your market um obviously you can go to some of the um you know the not wedding wire and figure out who are all the main people advertising in your space but you can also google them too right just do some googling and it's not really about watching them as much, you know, like you said, I don't really pay attention. It's more about um, understanding who exists alternatively in your market, mm -hmm. what opportunities exist, uh, and what, what, what am I missing? It's really about discovering opportunities, right? Um, and making sure that you know that there are alternatives in your market because yeah. all of a sudden, you know, if um, you're not getting any business and you kind of go, well, why am I not getting any business anymore? Um, you go and do a search and all of a sudden there are five competitors and com competing in the same space and you weren't even paying attention, you know, that's why. Yeah. So. You're so right. So what would you, what would you recommend as, you know, as a listener to myself, what would our next steps be um, when we get to the wedding report website? Uh, so, there, I mean, just to start, uh, there's free information there. So if you just go up and do a market search off the homepage, you'll get 
average spending, you'll look at total number of weddings in that market for mm-hmm. 20. Uh, if you want to dig into the individual items, just sign up for the free report. You'll get, you can go all the way down to the county level and you can look at uh, a market summary uh, report, which basically um, has all of the items that we track. There's 59 items that we track spending on. You'll see that and you'll see the demand for each market. If you just start there, that will help you tremendously because then you can go, oh, there's this, you know, oh yeah, there's 20,000 weddings in my market, but only 5,000 of them buy full service planning, right? You'll know right away, boom, oh, there's only 5,000 that buy full service planning. Oh, but look at this. There's there's another uh, 5,000 that buy other type of planning services. What do I offer in that space? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't offer anything in that space? Oh, let me go do some research and figure out what what's being offered in this space. Um, I've, I mean, just from if from a planning perspective, I've the few of the planners that I have interviewed offer one of them has moved completely from full service planning to just planning coordination. They they make more money off of it from a business, and it just works out better for them for their mm-hmm. market. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them didn't offer uh, planning coordinator or wedding coordination, and now they do as a service on top of full service planning. So there's there's an opportunity, right? As some of the planners have now, you know, went from basically went from flowers. Uh, one person I interviewed, uh, Beth in um, Charleston, basically went from a flower uh, designer into planning and other things. And so, you know, lots of opportunity, I think. Yeah, opportunity um, to pivot, you know, yeah. where, where the business takes you. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, businesses that have pivoted from being florists to event designers and then now they're planners and vice versa. Um, It's just when, when it's time to pivot, you pivot. That's right. But that's where you can start with us. Uh, That'll help you. I mean, you don't have to spend any money at all. It's just go look at and get an idea and then go from there. Any last minute tips that you think are super important for our listeners to know? Uh, I mean, I've said it already, but, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, you know, really just spend the time um, to go understand your market, you know, go look and see and what's happening in your market to make sure you understand what what risks are happening, what changes are coming. Right. Is it growth? Is it people moving out? How is the population aging? Um, understand that. I mean, it's, that's key. Um, and I think secondly, Go and understand what your what the alternatives are for the people that you're meeting with. Um, and then I think the last thing I would give you is that make sure you're collecting data for your business internally. So a couple of things there. One, make sure you collect the addresses and information about your customers. Um, if you can collect more from them, whether just having casual conversations like what type of education they have, uh, what type of work do they do, any type of demographic stuff will help you um, – determine a couple of things. Demographics will help you determine who your customer is demographically. That way you can target them in your market. And then if you understand where they live, then you can determine how far away are they coming to visit you or come and and work with you, right? Maybe you realize that, oh, I've got certain people from a very specific set of zip codes within my county that are coming and those are my customers. Oh, and by the way, they're in this income range. So that's your target. Go figure out where the rest of those people are and start targeting them, right? As a, there's, there's multiple ways to do that. Um, 
those are the, probably the three things I would say to do. And understand those are great. Market, figure it out, understand what the alternatives are, and then start tracking information internally. Beautiful. Those are great tips to get started. I think, yeah, I think everybody can do that right away, especially because, you know, we're, we're at the end of, um, see, uh, the slow season. So there's yeah. just enough time to start getting started for next year. <laughs> yeah, well, well, and I'll say this too, and this will help. Uh, I think, um, other businesses aren't doing what I just told you. Mm. In fact, I mean, as you know, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to do, right? It's not something you're thinking about as a business, right? But I, I guarantee you, if you spend the time doing those things, you will build a competitive advantage and you'll make it easier for yourself later because you'll be able to do it again and again and again as people are trying to adapt and figure it out. You've got a methodology for understanding how to adapt and grow your business. You won't be wasting any time either. Nope. That's incredible. Shane, thank you so much for your time today. Where can people find you? Uh, so wedding.report is the website. Um, you can email me if you have any questions, Shane at wedding.report. Um, yeah. Or give me a call or text me 520-399-8580. Uh, I, I take text. you just gave your text off. <laughs> yeah. You want to send me a text? If that works for you, great. All right. Well, thank you again. Uh, I can't wait for our listeners to get started and really have a competitive advantage over their competition in their market. Yeah. Glad, glad, uh, glad to have the conversation. Glad to help any way I can. Thank you. 